0: Welcome to Improv, Beat by Beat. I'm Curtis Rutherford.
1: And I'm Liz Noth.
0: I interviewed a whole bunch of different improvisers and then edited together chunks of those interviews to investigate different aspects of improv, one piece at a time. This is episode 25 The Movie. So, I have a co host this week, Liz Noth, to talk about the movie because we were on Megaplex together and I figured let's.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Um, So, first (laughs) off, like,
0: what do you love about the movie?
1: Oh my goodness. I love the commitment that's required of the movie. I love how ambitious it is. It's such an ambitious form, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's hard. Um, I like the challenge of it. I like that we get to play plot.
0: Yeah we almost never other than like movie improvised play mono scenes like we get to like really push into that plot aspect which we never get to do even though everything in art is built often around plot anything in the non visual arts mostly is like plot right we watch whatever. When I interviewed Patrick, your brother, he was like, why do we do sketch? Everything's around sketch. But (laughs) who loves sketch? And like the movie kind of feels like that. Oh, this is a thing we love. Yes. And we get to then mimic. Yes.
1: Yeah. Patrick really gets excited about getting to explore plot and improv the way that I do now. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't probably say play plot because we don't necessarily focus on it even that much. It's more like, what would the next scene look like? just to move the thing forward. But mm-hmm. it is fun to start thinking about a story arc when we don't usually think about that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Up first is David Bloodband. What I love about doing the movie is just the very simple, you know, I, I could talk about movies with my friends all day. That's what I love m- more than anything in the world.
2: So I just, I just love it. To me, it's like an open conversation about movies on right. stage, really. Like we're just acting out what we like about this it. one
0: specific yeah, genre exactly like, yeah. like
2: you know I, I got to i got to sit in with your uh, team mm-hmm.
0: recently and that was like the first time i'd done the movie with a group in a long time and it just rem- it just like it's what i love about improv what if we just get to act out the things we like about in these specific yes. types of movies it's just the be- it's the best it's so much fun that was david Bluffband. Yeah, there's this like nerdy aspect of it that mm-hmm. is very that is very fun. Since doing much more of the movie, how much have you like gone into? I'm gonna watch this because of Megaplex or because of something like that.
1: Ooh, when it first started, I did it a lot. Unless I've done it less and less. You mean like watching a specific yes. movie or? Yeah, when we started doing Megaplex, I started watching a lot more movies than I was watching, and then more recently, I think it's been trusting like that. I know enough is a big thing for me to just be like, oh, I know. I don't need to do homework. I have a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. you know, like I think that's just a personal confidence thing. But
0: we have been doing it now like a year and a half or two years or whatever. That it's yeah, if every week you were like, I gotta watch three more movies, otherwise John and Curtis are gonna scream. That would be a problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's just like the good student in me rather than you should probably be watching them for like curiosity and stuff. I don't know. Have you done that? Have you watched more?
0: Occasionally. (laughs) When I see, because Netflix like breaks down its whole like, oh, if you love world ending comedies with a strong female lead that have a dark, (laughs) like, I'll go like, oh, what other things like that can I think of? And I will like sometimes just grab one or kind of put something on in the background to do that. I do it a lot less Also, but I did it a lot when I originally had my movie group with Matt Mayer and Rudy and a bunch of other people because that was like a big part of it of, oh, I realized I know new West. I know 90s Westerns very well. I don't know 50s Westerns. So let me watch Shane. Let me watch, you know, all of those type of things.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense to get like more specific about it.
0: A lot of my favorite shows of ours have also been like going back to Dave's like nerdiness thing where it was very specific. Like we did a Blade Runner movie that was just like, it just felt like all of us talking about what we (laughs) loved about Blade Runner and then just being ridiculous within it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I thought about that with like, I I hadn't watched a lot of like 80s dance movies, but when we did, do you remember when we did that one? Mm -hmm. That was so much fun and that's so specific. Yeah. Yeah. That is so specific, and like it's having- fun to
0: realize that you know it too. Like when that started, I was like, "Do I know this?" And then I was like, oh, "Okay, because what is it? It's Footloose, mm-hmm. it's Flashdance, um, yeah, yeah."
1: I think those are the only two I could possibly think of. <laughs> sure, yeah,
0: <laughs> but it is so. Like those two points make a definite line that was very fun to explore in that way. Yeah, definitely. Up next is James Dwyer. Can we talk? Let's talk about the
3: movie a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I'd um, love to.
0: First off, what do you love about doing the movie?
3: Uh, I have not done it in years, and I don't think I ever did it well once. Yeah, the movie form is insane. You need to have huge command of game, a great command. Uh, You just have to have a high level of ownership uh, as an improviser, and everyone on the team has to have that level of ownership. And you need to be a pretty big nerd about movies, I think, to do it well, to do it. Uh, at a, like When you see people like Atamanik and Neil Casey's a two-man movie, first of all, I think it—I don't know how popular—I don't know if they would agree with this. They probably won't, and I can't say because I haven't done it myself as a two-person movie. I think fewer people is good for a movie form. I agree. Because I think it's so hard to agree on the genre. Yeah. Because it is literally unspoken. And it is only through context clues that you give it. It's not like in a normal scene with game where you can frame it in a way that's so explicitly mm-hmm. clear. In the movie form, you, in those first three scenes, you're building a genre, and one scene, one person being slightly off derails it. Yep. And that was most times when I was in the movie class. Yeah. And with the team we had afterwards, which was, man, such a great group of people, but holy crap. We did, like, one or two spanks. and I remember Anthony King gave us a note a long email of why we weren't going to ever do another spank and at the end of it he goes you know at the end of the day we're just looking for that top of your intelligence improv here at UCB and I was like (laughs) damn dude wow it was devastating but also so funny and great in hindsight because if if one person is off uh, genre wise Mm
0: -hmm. if and yeah with two people or with fewer people where it's like hey you know what we watched the core together. I know you know for a fact that when I say mm-hmm. we see a computer-generated Earth's surface or something like that. We're thinking the same thing. We're thinking early 2000s disaster movie. Yeah. As opposed to if I say, like, you know, we are in an office building and it's on fire, where I'm thinking more like 70s, 70s, right? Yeah,
3: exactly. I, that, that was one thing I loved about taking the movie classes. I got super into, like, 70s disaster movies, yeah. which are phenomenally insane. Like... So, it's like Towering Inferno. Yeah. Which is... Oh, my God.
0: There will sometimes be 30 characters in the movie, and you see one for, like, one scene. Yeah, O.J. Simpson's
3: die. in that movie. He's barely in it. Yeah. And he's like... I think he start Like, isn't he near the scene where the fire starts? Yeah. I think that might have been, like, his first uh, acting... <sighs> Insane. Uh, acting gig. He, I, I loved the movie for him. I never got good at it. Yeah. I'd love to do it now as a more confident improviser and I think it would still be such a struggle.
0: Learning it made me feel more solid in game in that watching yeah. things would happen, plot events would happen, but watching something like, especially it was on a group, it was like Matthew Brian Cohen and like Alex French, people who were like very, very solid game players. They would just
3: stick to their guns. That's it, yeah. It's And the games are stupid, I yeah. think, in a movie form. Like, they are simple. Uh, you don't over-justify. You don't overdo it too much. They're a little thin. Yeah. But you're going to be revisiting over multiple characters, multiple scenes. Uh, and your base reality is the genre. So that's just important that you have a command for a genre.
0: Yeah because the more clearly you can paint that reality mm-hmm. the more clear it is especially to you to the to the team yeah. this is what deviates from yeah. it
3: and it has to have that confidence that you have in a normal improv show of like we've got this mm-hmm. like the audience has to have that feeling of they're being taken care of yeah. and if the, the genre is sloppy it doesn't make sense and it shows that the improvisers are not clear about it then the audience is like yo we smell that yeah. uh, we don't like it it's that sort of lack of confidence that kills I mean any good comedy is destroyed by a lack of showmanship or a yeah. lack of command of what you're doing.
1: That was James Dwyer. Should I do that again? Oh, that was great. <laughs> okay. I'm getting used to this co-hosting. Um, yeah, I loved him talking about confidence and I, I find myself teaching when I'm teaching, saying the word bravado a lot. <laughs> Especially advanced levels, Mm -hmm. which you should laugh because it's a silly word, but I don't know how else to describe it. You need a certain level of confidence to do this form.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about that in terms of also the difference between... Lloyd and Harold and Harold and Weekend, often it is just like, oh, on Lloyd, it used to be. I mean, it's different now with different theaters and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It used to just be how much could you have that bravado in a tough theater to then move up to, move over to Chelsea and then have it win in a much easier theater.
1: Yes. Do you think that this form requires more confidence than like the Herald? Mm,
0: then the Herald, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think because you can get stuck in the weeds of just doing, oh, I know that this is a uh, 1980s uh, futuristic apocalyptic film, so I'm going to do all of the details for that. And if you're yes. just focusing on those details without the confidence to do something off
1: mm-hmm.
0: and make that funny, yes, that I think is tough.
1: That's true. That rings true to me because it's, I mean, there's more participation, right? In mm-hmm. this form then the Herald maybe like you have to be so de- decisive and involved almost throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Whereas there might be like a minute or two where you're not in a beat of a Herald. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know.
0: And the scene painting feels very much like you have to do it so confidently. And sometimes, and we've talked a lot about this uh, after shows where we didn't feel necessarily confident. Yes. But you do have to just say like, Oh, I don't know what the next thing to paint is. So I'm just going to start painting whatever
1: yes and trust that like a top of intelligence thing will come out and hopefully mm-hmm. it will 70 percent of the time yeah it's intelligent and the other percent maybe not
0: james also mentioned small groups which mm-hmm. megaplex we've kept to six pretty much always right yes. it's been like me you and john and then we invite three other people sometimes with repeats and that kind of thing yes which i've really liked
1: yeah i really like it too i i I think especially like being able to paint two people in each of those scenes up top really clarifies characters. Yeah, that's helpful to just like moving the thing forward. Yeah, I like the six. Six yeah. feels like a good number.
0: And the clarifying characters, because it's a plot thing, it does make it a lot easier of, oh, when you're walking in, I know you're still the villain from scene two, yes. most likely, unless you make some other big move, whereas in a herald if you walk into a scene, maybe it's a callback. Maybe I have to like be on my heels a little bit of like, wait, what's Liz going for? And then adding to it.
1: So you have a little more information. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Whereas in the movie you walk in and it's like, okay, great. I know this is this person most likely.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Up next is fellow megaplexer, John Timothy. So let's go through like the movie as a whole. So first okay. off, like what people see, right? Sure. So
2: how does it start? historically you get the suggestion of a song lyric favorite least favorite whatever then the performers do a scene painting they do three separate scenes kind of using screenplay language to describe not only the settings but the characters and so this is where it differs from a regular scene painting or a classical scene painting where they're very focused on painting characters in the scenes and actors will come out and portray those characters and they will basically be those characters anytime they come up throughout the course of the film painting characteristics, games, etc. Then they're also kind of an overarching goal looking for one of three things in each scene, a hero, an antagonist, and some kind of like want or kind of like the MacGuffin or the driving force of whatever the dramatic action is. Then somebody edits away from there, the title comes up, you get like a really punchy title, and then you cut back to the first scene that you've seen painted. Then you do those three scenes in order uh, with those people portraying those things. And then after that, it's kind of a free-for-all of doing scenes that belong in that type of movie until the big finish. And then somebody calls the end, titles come up, usually ending with the end.
0: So that's the basics. Yeah. Let's go through then each part. Okay, sure. so song lyric, and so right away, first scene painting, right? So sure. this is normally the protagonist one, usually, right? Usually, yeah. What are the big things that you're trying to set right away with
2: that? The most important thing is you're trying to find the genre. Everything in the movie hinges upon finding the genre Every great failure comes from not finding the genre. <laughs> every great success comes from nailing the genre as uh, as early as you can. Because if you end up with a first scene, you're like, "Well, it was some people in a house," and I, I you know, I think what they, they're related, I guess. Then I don't right. know what type of movie that is, you yeah. know. And it just makes every subsequent one harder and harder and harder. So the more focused you are on not like what do, what type of person does that song lyric inspire me to think of, or like, oh, what kind of setting, but even kind of a step past that to what genre of film does that make me think of and then kind of writing backwards from there and then trying to make a big choice like oh you want to be a disaster movie great cool paint like a lab with some scientists in it with like a big graph you can be really obnoxious uh in the movie which is really fun you'll be like oh we see in the background there's a screen that says meteor coming in three days with like an arrow next to it saying don't worry the military says it's fine you know you can be as (laughs) Unsubtle. Ham-fisted, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, because, uh, just because that moment of kind of ham-fistedness usually is pretty funny, but then also uh, will just help so much over the course of the show.
0: Because now we know specifically we are doing a disaster movie. We're mm-hmm. doing a meteor disaster movie, yeah. which means probably late 90s. Yeah, right? totally. And we know then this first thing is probably the scientist who found out but he's gonna you know be proven right or yeah. whatever like we yeah. know away all those tropes
2: oh yeah we get to play with all that fun stuff yeah and i think that's a fun thing about the movie is that you get very familiar with kind of the specifics of a genre in the broad strokes but then also kind of how it parcels down into like tinier micro genres it's mm-hmm. so like within disaster movie there is like 90s big budget your Armageddon's, your Deep Impact, your Twisters, or whatever. Yeah. But then there's also like the '70s disaster movies, which have these like huge 12, 14 person casts exactly. of like B-list celebrities, and then you know uh, versus the kind of like even like uh, disaster movies we have today are almost you know like a lot of them are like very eco like it's mm-hmm. all like you know it's not just like well weather sucks sometimes yeah it's like wow well, we should have we should have seen that uh, global warming coming huh well whoops. <laughs>
0: Very much in the same way that like Japanese disaster movies were Godzilla. <laughs> like, yeah, what are right. we afraid of? Nuclear radiation. Nuclear, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are we afraid of now? Well,
2: well I mean, we all know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, getting political. Look out! Got to.
0: So then, so you, when you're painting that first scene, yeah. Uh, what are some of the things that you like to lay on to the character, both to help with what the game is, mm-hmm. might be of the scene and to further specify the genre? Oh,
2: sure. Great. I think that in terms of further deciding the genre, okay, cool, you've got an action movie. But within that, there are so many different sub of movie that even picking a decade will probably help. And you can do that with like uh, describing the quality of the film grain with the kind of media you see in the background, describing the soundtrack. In the movie, you can describe actor types which Mm -hmm. is kind of like a fun backdoor right you're not like we see it's bruce willis it's like well that's a bit and that's a, that's a bit much uh but you can be like we see this uh, type of actor he's mainly been on tv and this is like his first big action movie break and he looks a little underprepared you know you to kind of like push you into into like a more specific type of character then i think the most important part the thing that i think is the hardest to get a grasp on the first time you do the movie the first couple times you do it is that uh, the reality is that like when you're doing a movie scene, 70% of your dialogue is just basically doing what the s- scene dictates your character should do. Like, you're not... Re- like, yeah, you need to find an individual game for each character, but 70 to 80% of it is just dictated by what they have to do in a given scene. You know, the okay. villain's going to have the speech. The You know, they're going to beat up on the toady. They're going to say mm-hmm. they'll never be defeated. Like, that stuff is going to happen in basically every one. And so... In the opening, you want to describe the character and those kind of like broad characteristics, but then you also want to focus on kind of like within that larger realm of evil villain in a in like a eighties action movie. Right? What is their thing? Like, there's a lot of different things that we know. Is it that this one's focused on revenge? Okay, cool. Just even something like that will really narrow it down, so that you're not just playing the trope. I mean, sure, you're always playing the tropes, you're always playing the broad genre stuff, but it'll give you much more specificity to what you get to do, and it'll make your subsequent times you do that genre feel different, even if the like major tent poles right. are still there. Because you know? I think that's one of the traps it's easy to fall into. It's like, oh, we just did a disaster movie. Well, let's do another one. Oh, the second yeah. one's always so much harder if you're not being specific right. first time through.
0: It's an action movie, let's say, so it's that that 80s villain, and you found that specific want, or that specific, like, you want to show that revenge. So then there are all those different ways of showing that, right? So, like, you would show, so you can show, like, the status and, like, how he is separate from the toady by, like, what, by, like, where they're placed
2: within the frame. Mm -hmm. You could uh, give them, like, there's a whole (laughs) plethora of props they can have, you know, like, you can have, uh, he's got a locket, a locket, (laughs) always a locket, everyone's got neck jewelry yep. in the movie <laughs> big badges on their chests mm-hmm. that are like i break for vengeance or mm-hmm. or something uh you know photos of dead children yes uh you know everyone's got dossiers in front yeah. of them oh, yeah, with yeah. like big markers that have circled pertinent mm-hmm. information <laughs> which is like it, oh, it's so fun you're talking about how putting people in different parts of the frame and i think that is a fun thing that you get to do only in the movies that you do have the benefits of movie making to underline some of this stuff like there you can really rely on like a lot of what we understand how like hollywood classically uh, movies work like you know the easiest thing like, oh you want this person to be the bad guy you can't say we see this as the bad guy but you can say he's got a big old scar across his eye he's got huge jacked muscles and he uh, looks like he hasn't smiled in 20 years like okay you know what that guy's probably not our hero if you had to guess
0: So the first one, then, you're filling out generally the protagonist, right? Usually, yeah. Second one, generally antagonist?
2: I think that, yeah. Yeah. That usually is where it kind of flows.
0: And and then that kind of, like, MacGuffin or Juan. So, like, what are some examples? What would be the similar style scenes in, like, some movies we know? Like, Wizard of Oz, we almost have that right away just in Kansas. Mm -hmm. We meet Dorothy. We meet who becomes the witch. witch. And we see her house.
2: yeah, Right? That she's torn away from, like, right away. Yeah. Totally. I mean, you've even got your Star Wars, right? Yep. You've, got, you've got your villain up front. You've got the kind of like, you know, sorry, Leia, you're kind of the objective, mm-hmm. uh, but also kind of the, the, like, the want with the Death Star plans, and then almost immediately you meet Luke right. with, like, what his want is, and, like, you get, okay, cool, you've got your three pieces, and they're the rest of the movie is just unspooling those right. things as they kind of head towards each other, mm-hmm. right? right? Rom-coms always follow this. Oh, yeah. very much You know, like, in the rom-com, the, the want is usually just the other part of the... rom (laughs) (laughs) so you kind of end up with the yeah you know if it's like when harry met Sally you've got the anxious male you've got the dotty female and then you've got whatever the obstacle is going to be for this movie whether it's another love interest or whether it's college or whether it's (laughs) you know whatever the thing is
0: okay so you set those up and then going right into it what are the ways that you just kind of like get to that the end because i feel like that is generally where people stall
2: out of yeah, totally. I think the biggest the biggest trick. It's the easiest thing to say, but it's the hardest thing to like get really a hold on when you're first starting it out. Is that you're not worried about the plot. You know, we through all the levels at UCB, we're always like, don't care about plot. We don't, we don't care. follow game. And you're like, cool, 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 got it, got it. But then you see people who are kind of following story through their shows. You're like, but they're doing it. And the response is always, yeah, but they're doing it different. Like you're you're doing it wrong, uh, <laughs> and and that's kind of like frustrating. Uh, but the the trick to Creating some kind of story is to just, within the genre, and this is why the genre is so important, is to just stack together a bunch of scenes that belong in that type of movie. And then if you just put them in chronological order, one after another, the audience will write the movie right. that exists kind of in the gaps between those scenes.
0: It's the equivalent of an animation of like, we'll show a guy, first with his hand up, <laughs> then with his mm-hmm. hand down, you will mm-hmm. assume that he is thrown his hand on the table
2: yes exactly right and so it's like you don't it's it's easy to be like okay we met this character they said they were driving to this place okay let's see them at that place and then oh this person is doing this how are they gonna and you just don't it's not helpful to think like that because you can't write a movie on your feet instead say you're doing this buddy 80s action cop movie okay great well then you're probably going to want to see you know if we're like that's this kind of movie i do Mm -hmm. scene painting uh police chief you know, uh oh, here's your new partner. Yeah. Second scene, uh oh, there's this villain. He's vaguely Eastern European, <laughs> right. and he's got he's waiting for a big boatload of drugs to come in in one week. Mm-hmm. Third scene, oh, kidnapped daughter exactly. of oh, the mayor. Yeah. Look out, <laughs> uh oh. And then when you get to like the actual scenes, it's like, well, we need a scene where the. The new partners don't get along and their cop styles mismatch. Right. We need a scene where uh, the villain maybe uh, show that he's a bad guy. So maybe he murders somebody on one of his toadies or Mm -hmm. one of like the rival gang people on the way to like the big deal. Right. Uh, Scene where they meet. Scene where we, you know, things look real bad for the kidnapped mayor's daughter. And then all of a sudden you're basically at the end of your movie. Right. Kind of.
0: Then you just good guys show up kill the bad guy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or arrest him, whatever. Or yeah, yeah. whatever,
2: you know, it depends on yeah. what genre. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, depending on how long you go, you can fill in more mm-hmm. and more of those scenes that go, but you're not really worried about, like, how would someone stop a yeah. drug boat coming from Colombia? you know, in seven days? It's like, well, it'll kind of reveal itself yeah. through just doing the things that have to happen. It's, it's the, kind of the same way. Surprisingly enough, it's doing genre improv and the movie all is very related to We talk about like the base reality of a scene where if it's like if you're ever at a loss for what to do next in like just a regular improv scene, a lot of times the answer is why don't I just do the next thing that has to happen? Oh, we're at a date. You know what? What if I just ordered those drinks? Oh, why don't I ask you about your family? You know, rather than what's the next line I have to say that's going to be great, you can take that pressure off yourself. Similarly, in this kind of macro sense in the movie, what if I just did the scene I know that has to exist? And then you kind of write back. You started there and then you're like, well, okay. We need the scene where my partner's mismatched. One of them said they love tennis. Well, what if we had to have a tennis off or something? You know, like you can just right. kind of fill in the gaps.
0: And just jump right to and it just go and to just it. start doing it. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think the biggest folly that you fall into is so many setup scenes. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what if these people meet these people so that three scenes later, then they can do that? Th-? It's like you never have enough yeah. time. Uh, I love the movie all kinds of ways, Uh, but one big reason I love it is because you can just make huge outlandish choices, and as long as they fall within the genre, it's, like, correct.
0: Mm -hmm. So we need to stop this boat filled with drugs, right? yeah. Great. We've got some trained dolphins.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh my god, we do? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Everyone said I was crazy, but I'm a rogue cop, and I just, I'll train dolphins if I want to. Done. Easy. Yeah breezy
0: yeah Yeah. oh we've got this car we've got this ramp we're gonna drive this car off this ramp and we're gonna launch it into the boat it's gonna stop all those drugs Uh
2: uh-oh you know what i've got a nerd (laughs) hacker who can hack the boat and make it sink yeah uh but he needs to go on a date with your daughter (laughs) (laughs) like yeah you know you can just you can just always make it happen uh in big outlandish ways that i think are sometimes harder to do in regular improv scenes i don't know like i think we put such a premium around, like, the Emperor Citizen's Brigade of doing so much, like, grounded, real, mm-hmm. like, work that sometimes it feels for people harder to get to that bigger, weirder stuff that got them to love the thing in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's, like, you get kind of, like, a nice balance. Like, I remember talking to Neil Casey once about the movie. Uh, and part of why he said he really loved it is because you get laughs off of doing the genre correctly. Mm-hmm. You get laughs off of things that don't belong in the genre. Uh, you get laughs laughs off of personal, like, games you've created for each thing. So, like, every line has the chance to be funny in, like, three or four different ways. Right. And so, like, even what is just would be fundamental, like, baseline reality grunt pipe-laying work in a regular improv scene has a chance to get a laugh because the audience would like, that's true, that's mm-hmm. correct.
0: Whereas in a normal improv scene, when you do that kind of more base reality thing of, like, oh, he's ordering the wine for the next step in the date. It doesn't generally get as much of a laugh, even though it creates that same thing of it creates a baseline for then the next move to pop against. But in the movie, even that baseline reality stuff is so fun to see. And then you get to subvert those expectations. And I think
2: that's the hardest part. I mean, there's there's a lot of hardest parts to doing the movie. I don't know if we've appropriately underlined how hard this thing can be (laughs) when i teach the class when i teach so i teach the movie class and uh when i teach it i generally i'm like hey by the way this is like really hard and if you're like six six weeks in you're like i think i hate this and i might be miserable that's okay that's correct you're not wrong uh it's very very difficult the hardest part of doing the movie when you're like a student or kind of just first starting out is that you don't have a great handle on performing the base reality of reality. Mm -hmm. And so then when you're asked to perform a separate base reality, everything there you're trying to treat like it's weird when it's not weird. It's actually the base reality for this world and you get either the base reality wrong or you're trying to treat things that are normal in this world like they're super weird and like Mm -hmm. straight manning it in a way that doesn't really function in the movie. Like if you were like, I'm a mean police chief and you partners... What do we get partners that match? Yeah, that has no place in yeah. the movie, right? There's no, it'd be insane, because that's yeah. not what happens in the, in that movie. Yeah. That movie, they're like, oh, dang. You know, because one of them's two weeks from retirement, mm-hmm. and one of them is, you know, boy, loves all this new police crazy, yeah. he loves music or something. <laughs> right. Which is going to show up in that final scene. Oh, you know it. Oh, my yeah.
0: God. Well, nothing can defeat me. I'll stand in front of this speaker. Speaker? <laughs>
2: Roberts! do your thing. <laughs>
0: what are some of the other like kind of problems or hard parts that you notice people early on fall into with the movie?
2: Sure. Okay, so the one is obviously plot. It's the thing that attracts people to the movie, but it's also kind of like the biggest, you know, thing that can trip you up trying mm-hmm. to follow it. I think two is the scene painting because I think people maybe aren't used to being as aggressive and making as many big decisions as fast in your show as is required from the movie and from, like, the scene painting. There's no time to dawdle, and there's no room for kind of patient, organic scene work or, like, let's figure out what this is. It works much better if people are just making decisions and you're following as opposed to kind of discovering in a way that I think is satisfying in other forms, but not really in the movie. The discovery has to happen a lot
0: more quickly of like, oh, I noticed Liz did this little move. Mm -hmm. I think she's saying this is a... 1950s noir. I'm just going to make that next one as hard as possible. We see Venetian blinds Mm -hmm. and the the shadows of Venetian blinds laying across their faces.
2: Absolutely. If you don't know the genre three lines into the scene painting, you probably could have been moving faster Mm -hmm. in some way. You know, like, okay, sure, no one's stepping out. The suggestion was... Oops, I did it again, because that's what it is all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And you just start painting something just to get things going. Okay, fine. No one's going to you know yell at you, I don't think. But, um, I mean, Curtis might yell at you. But yeah. then you just got to, from there, have to just be super aggressive about... You can't assume that people have ideas that they're not sharing with you, yes. I think. Which I think it's, it's easy to feel like, oh my God, everyone else knows exactly what's happening, but I don't, because mm-hmm. I'm wrong. And no, no one... If you don't know what's happening, no one knows what's yes. happening. So be the person that... Steps out and makes that decision that lets people know what it is. Or if we don't have anything, then make the just make a call yeah. based on whatever you know. Yeah.
0: Also, we see they're all robots. Great. Right. And it's all CGI or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Cool. cool.
2: Tom Cruise is on yeah. a hover bike in the background. Yeah. Great. Fin- the finale is always kind of like a hard thing to get to because it's the end goal, but it's also the thing where people second guess themselves. I think like it's almost like a. Is it really this easy? Like
0: it, you'll see like whatever the protagonist mm-hmm. and the antagonist if it's like an action movie they're mm-hmm. fighting and then it's like why don't why doesn't the antagonist die?
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. It's like well he should. If if depending on the genre he should. Yes. Oh, I think also a thing that's hard is I think it's hard for people to have fun doing the movie sometimes. <laughs> like I've never Felt closer to like flying in an improv show than when a movie has like locked in and every line is getting just this laugh because everything's true and right and games and it's it's unlike anything else because you're working everyone is working so hard and everything is just this beautiful moment where it's all coming together great, Um, but I think people sometimes because they're trying to venerate the movies they love are unwilling to have fun with the things that are, like, the improv part that maybe don't yeah. exactly fit the genre, mm-hmm. but they're still there, you know? Like, what was it? It was, like, a 60s Italian uh, kind of new wave film we were okay. doing once. And for some reason, whenever, like, everyone met, they'd always go, chow, and, like, kiss each other on the cheeks, and we just thought that was fun. Yeah. So every time a group of people met people in this movie, there was 30 seconds of just, like, kissing and kissing and chowing and I think eating, like, a little spaghetti. Right. Uh, that's not part of the genre. (laughs) Uh, But it's like a thing that you discover, you know, it's, it's one of those small pockets for discovery inside the movie that you have to just kind of fold in, or it's the most fun if you still Mm -hmm. embrace too, because it's not just, it's not, the movie isn't a test. Yeah. No matter how much it might feel like it is, it's, it's a pop quiz. Yeah. You do need to, (laughs) I think unlike other forms of improv where we, we celebrate that you don't need to know references and you don't need to know facts There is a kind of baseline requirement for uh, genre tropes, at least in the large. If you don't know the difference between, like, a classic Roger and Hammerstein musical versus, like, a Sondheim musical, okay, fine. I I, think—I don't think you're going to get that far off. No one's going to, you know, uh, be like, what were you doing out there? Because it is on improv, and people just kind of bring what they can. But you probably do need to know—have seen a musical movie before, or at least a musical— which is I think it puts people in their heads as well sometimes. Yeah.
0: Because you often do need to know the difference mm-hmm. between a 50s western mm-hmm. and a 90s yeah. western mm-hmm. or, you know, the difference between a a 70s uh, uh like neo noir mm-hmm. or like a 30s 40s noir. Yeah,
2: they're they do operate differently and I think it's in those little pockets and those little those little differentiations that can make the movie feel very special and different. Like, we're talking about things that people get tripped up on. I think a lot of times the hardest movie you'll ever do is the second time you hit a genre. Because right. you're like, oh, I thought we just did a Western. And then yeah. you're like, cool, do another one. And then you'll just want to do the exact same thing you did because you just like, oh, we've got a good guy, sure. And we've got a bad guy. He's got a hat on. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, he's bad. And then there's like a damsel in distress. Cool, okay, Western. And okay, Cool. But then the second time you do a Western, what are you going to do? Right. Because then that requires you to make slightly bigger decisions, slightly – I think it's hard because you have to make some of the same decisions, actually. Yes. Like, you know, And I think that feels weird to some people, obviously, because it, it's like, well, this is improv. It's supposed yeah. to be different. It's like, well, yeah, but – there are some things that are
0: just so endemic to what mm-hmm. a Western is. Mm-hmm.
2: If you don't have them, it's going to feel weird, right? Oh, here's one that I see that happens a bunch. I think sometimes people, in an effort to paint particular games on characters in the movie, they will give them games that are actually contradictory to what that character has to do in a movie. Okay. Meaning like, oh, we've got like the brilliant scientist who's going to solve it all, but he's dumb. Right. Okay. Like there's a way in which he's like daft but like he can't yeah. not know science right. <laughs> you know like he's like or like you know like oh we've got like an action hero who's a coward yeah ah that's 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 hard that's yeah. like a very hard cuz they're not going to do the thing that they need to do in the movie that's going to or that's going to be required of them or it's going to be a lot of work to get them to do it or you're talking like a Jackie Chan Chris Tucker like un, reluctant heroes yeah. or like you know isn't it funny that these guys are like the second string kind of Heroes, Right. But it's like if it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger, one man against a thousand dudes with a bunch of guns, and you're like, oh, yeah, we see he's like crying and like afraid all the time. It's like, well, eh, OK, you're kind of shutting out an entire genre of laughs you're going to get from right. this movie because he's because it's you're almost you've left the movie and you've entered some realm of like parody right. or like a Mad Magazine like a of a yeah. movie. I don't know. It's uh, you're doing an improv scene wouldn't it be funny if instead the hero were a coward or something right well okay but that's not as helpful as you think it might be You know,
0: it becomes kind of more of like the like the keenan ivory wayne's like version of this is the parody of that movie yeah where oh we're hitting some of the same things but also we have the time to write in a big emotional arc for this character to overcome and Mm -hmm. then fight yeah Which we're probably not going to do improvised. It's like that character is going to be the same at the end. Mm -hmm. Totally.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Have you noticed anything?
0: Anytime I like coach a team on the movie, the first thing I do is I explain all the scene painting. Mm -hmm. I do all that. And then I explain different camera angles and why Mm -hmm. you would use them. Sure. And then. Oh Oh, my my God. (laughs) I then have them do one set where I just tell them overuse everything. Mm -hmm. Because. Then it gets it out of their system, yeah. and then I don't have to see another movie where for some reason it's an overhead shot so that they're yeah. picking people up mm-hmm. or they're doing a crane shot or they're doing like oh, weird yeah. Dutch angle. Mm-hmm. Like, if it makes sense for that, sure, right? But for so much of it, I feel like that's a big one of just getting that out of their system. I think that's very true,
2: yeah, yeah. You because, especially depending on the size of the stage, all those movie tropes or all the like movie mechanics of overhead angle, reverse mm-hmm. shot, all that can add so much time to your movie of just logistics of just moving bodies across the stage in between actual movements and laughs that it's very, very hard to do.
0: Scene painting. I find that, uh, and this is kind of a common Mm -hmm. note of like paint it on the person, not on yourself. Oh yeah. That comes up a lot. And it's just like, it's, it feels like it's the first bridge into, are you seeing what the audience is seeing or are you seeing what you, the improviser is seeing Mm -hmm. and just making that switch of no, the, audience is seeing this character that i'm pointing at too mm-hmm. so we need to both be on the same page of she has an eye patch instead totally. of oh there's an eye patch on my uh, her face like yeah. that kind of switch yeah. yeah
2: i think that's i think that's very correct right kind of like outsourcing or, or like i don't know getting that kind of distance
1: that was john timothy so that was a long one yeah <laughs> as it should be because yeah. he is so good at this form
0: a friend of mine who comes to see a lot of the a lot of the megaplex shows is constantly like i could just watch john scene paint all day
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he is so tremendously good at it there's so much he talked about that i want to talk about but i love how he talked about game not necessarily coming from subverting the expectation of the genre or how unhelpful it can be to just subvert the expectation of the genre,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how it's so much easier to just commit to the genre, and then we'll—I'm sure—we'll find something so much more rich and helpful for the form. Like if you start to play a wimp, a wimp as the brave character, it, we can't move things forward. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: probably going to be more fun to just be the brave character who also just loves eating meatball sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. Like that's or whatever. Rather than subverting it.
1: I remember in our movie class Dynamo really drilling that into us of like, don't bail on the genre and or don't use the genre as your vehicle for comedy. And sometimes we've had some games where we do that and it works. Um, So I don't think it's an always rule, but I do think that most of the time the comedy comes from somewhere else. It just comes from a choice on top of your commitment. Mm
0: hmm. When genres always have, like, some weird character, just playing that character, how they play it in the genre. Like, I'm thinking of, like, action movies where there's, like, the schlubby sidekick. Mm -hmm. Playing that schlubby sidekick as just schlubby and covered in food and chips and whatever as possible generally gets more of a laugh than, like, oh, if you undercut it or if you tried to do more than just, like, this is a funny thing about this
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely.
0: He also talked a lot about, like how much the movie is about what we see mm. right which watching when anthony tamanick would teach the movie i would go watch and i would sit in that like corner of chelsea where like right in front of the booth yeah so i could hear anthony from the booth <laughs> and he would just like scream notes at the person <laughs> doing the tech. and i remember one time Whichever iteration of the movie class it was, they were doing something and it was two people in bed and they laid down on the stage. And I could hear Anthony yelling from the booth, stand up, stand up. Because <laughs> it should have been an overhead shot of we see the two people in bed. So they were standing up as if we are then seeing them in bed from above.
1: Right. right? That could be some like weird little Wes Anderson shot where we're just it seeing the could. Feet. Yes. But probably not.
0: No.
1: Um, that's so funny to just scream from the booth. Uh, I, you know, I've had one-on-one classes where I just want to be like her two oh one one where I'm like, I just want to scream at it. <laughs> but Antamina can do it.
0: Yeah. But always focusing on what we're actually seeing, I feel like is more specific to the movie than it is to a lot of other forms, both in the way that we're scene painting and in the way that we're selling a lot of the jokes that can't exist in other forms
1: oh yeah that's definitely true and that's why it's so helpful to get i mean the reason we ask for song lyrics is to get imagery so when we get thank you next it's you know or when we get like a really Mm -hmm. short thing we don't have enough imagery and there's so much we see in the form so that's tremendously important yeah he mentioned that the genre
0: in this case is base reality i feel like is another like huge idea that is easy to miss if you don't have that bravado, if you don't like, oh, you know what, I can just go back to, I'm a lawyer, I'm going to do paperwork as hard as I can, and I know there will be something there on the other side.
1: Yes, definitely. That's the part that I I personally love. I just love getting kind of lost in the genre moments or just the base reality of whatever movie genre we're mm-hmm. doing, because I don't necessarily feel as confident that I'm going to come up with the most clever connection or something like that. But that, I feel like, grounds me in this form. Just going back to that base reality and trying to do it as realistically as possible is fun challenge.
0: Yeah. I remember Don Finelli would always give the note, just a normal improv of like, just do the next thing. Mm -hmm. Right? Which John mentioned of the like, oh, you're at a date. Great. Order your meal. Start eating the meal. Like just go through those things and the next move will come rather than trying to think of what the perfect, most clever connection is.
1: Yeah, and that's, he is probably right that it might be hard if you struggle with just playing a base reality in a very slice-of-life scene, you might not be ready to attack the movie Mm -hmm. form, right? I don't want to speak with definitive, you know, language because I want people to try things, but um, yeah, it might be too hard. Yeah. Ooh, I also like the uh, no time to dawdle. Right? Yeah. That's so true. The You know, he just mentioned, you got to get on it. You got to participate. You got to mm-hmm. step out. Especially in the scene painting. There's yeah. no time to dawdle.
0: He said knowing the genre in three lines, which yeah. is very soon, but I think all of our best shows and all the best movie shows I've seen, you do know it within around three lines.
1: Oh, yeah. We had really bad shows, I remember, in my movie class for the most part. But the best show we had somebody stepped out and said, we open on a dilapidated classroom. And I knew immediately that we were doing an inspirational teacher movie. And mm-hmm. It was just so, we all were at ease. We could just, then we could just go.
0: Yeah. Up next is Rudy Behrens. It's just a genre
4: thing that I love, but the movie is the most genre-heavy form there is, like mm. by design. But I love the idea that your base reality is a trope Or a scene that we all kind of recognize. Yeah. So just like a scene, the base reality might be like two blue collar workers on their lunch break. That's like something that we can all get behind as a real thing. It could be the like old on the edge of retirement cop and then like the young, you know, wild card rookie. We all know that. So now, now our game is just something that doesn't fit into that world exactly different personality trait but it's very fun to watch people just nail that base reality and i do think finding game out of genre is relatively easy like relative to finding game in improv yeah. relatively easy because it's so familiar and you know it's it's like the thing of if you try really hard to be a doctor something funny will happen because yeah. you're not a doctor <laughs> you know it's like well you're not the angry principal at a high school in a 90s movie so you're gonna do something that feels out of place and a lot of the time
0: right away that's out of place yeah
4: and then it's just like all right that's your thing I also I love what a challenge it is I love watching it done well it's one of my favorite things because it's just it's so impressive so doing it I like how hard it feels like Harold is really hard but it's the same kind of hard that it's been for all the years I've been doing improv. Yeah. Doing the movie is like a different muscle. The last show I did with uh, your mm-hmm. Megaplex show, I felt I felt pretty good about how I handled the form because I was really nervous. Uh, and the show was very funny. But it was the most like thrilled I had been to do a show in a long time because it was just like I felt... I felt like a a buzz from it because I was like, "That was I haven't done that in a long time." Working with like different forms in general can be kind of exciting, Mm -hmm. but that one is just so almost manic, and it's so all hands on deck that you have to get in there. Like you have to just make a bunch of moves because if you don't, someone else is going to. There's not a feeling of like I shouldn't walk in on this right now. It's like I have to walk in on this right now because there's so many moving parts to it.
0: Which any actual scene in a movie is a collaboration between director and writer and actors and all of these and lighting and all that thing that improv-wise, it feels like the same thing of like, oh no, I need to make sure there's a close-up right now. Yes. Because the people in the scene can't do it and I see something that they don't see or whatever.
4: Yeah. Or like, here's a perfect place for a little plot device. Yeah. You know, like, I like to do PA announcement. (laughs) moves a lot to like, Set up what's going to happen later. If it's a high school, it's like, oh, students, the, you know, the prom is in two hours or whatever. Exactly. But in the movie form, you can just, you can throw those things in at any time and then they will, they will pay off. Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing in a plot device and then watching somebody try to make it work later yeah. on is so satisfying.
0: Because yeah. we all know what it's there for. The audience knows what it's there for. And it's just kind of like, great that's up on that shelf we're gonna come back and pick that up in just a little bit it feels great
4: yeah it's also really satisfying to yeah you like make that move where you like set up what's gonna happen and then that gets a laugh mm-hmm. just people being like oh wait till that happens yeah. and then when it happens it gets an even bigger laugh i mean if it's going well yeah, yeah. that's the caveat for all this is if it's if it's, it's, good. If it's a good show then it feels good yeah. I love doing walk-ons in yeah. the movie. It's one of the few forms where I, I feel like a walk-on just always serves it, even if it feels like a self-serving. Like I just got a funny line. Yeah, it serves the the entire piece because unless you're doing some like movie like the conversation or something where it's just like all two-person scenes, but just being like, who else would be in this scene? Yeah. Who would who would stop by right now? And then you get to just embody that character that feels familiar so I'm not the most capable character actor in the world if you know I think that's I think that's just true but in the movie there's like already a, a clear reference point mm-hmm. trying to play in like a slow patient like a mono scene I don't know how to draw on like where I'm going to draw from for a character but I know what the like dorky best friend is like in a movie
0: yeah And the audience knows, too. So as soon as you come in and like, uh, what's going on? Like, they know. Oh, great. It's the dorky best friend. Yeah, Yeah. they get it. Yeah,
4: And you can even say, the movie's so fast that you get away with certain things, like just saying. You just be like, oh, yeah, dorky best friend here. And it's forgiven that you just said who you are. Right.
0: This is a terrible cheat that I sometimes use, but I'll just make their name some version of that. It's like, oh, it's Ben Dorkman. Oh like, yeah, it's so of dumb. Course. It's so lame.
4: But there, that also exists in movies sometimes. Yeah. Like it's- all of
0: Star Wars is that. I feel like. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the stuff, but it's like the, oh, it's Evil Sidious or or Darth Sidious. Darth Sidious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: I mean, even Han Solo. You're like, oh, the cool guy, like the cool loner.
0: Yeah.
4: (laughs) I don't know what language it is, but Han Solo means cool loner. Yeah. And his Wookiee best friend. Yeah. So many movies are just like, man, that name is so on the nose. But I think doing that in the movie is, it's kind of a cheat, but it's also honoring. It depends on what movie you're genre you're parodying but sometimes it's like oh no that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to name like the cool kid blake tristan or whatever exactly (laughs) that's a cool name
0: yeah real cool
1: that was rudy barons i love him just talking about you know all of us having this point of reference for these characters and how that's a fun shared experience and i love that about this form too i love getting to see andy busios play like the mean girl in like a you know in a high school drama Mm -hmm. or and how
0: quickly someone like andy or whoever can clue us in that he is being the mean girl right like if it's a high school (laughs) and he just walks on and his shoulders are a little bit higher than usual or whatever and he's just like shaking his finger at someone it's we know this is the mean girl Or if they've been painted with whatever, but yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. He can just like, he shows us, show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. John often plays like a, a, you know, like a hotshot weatherman or something, right? (laughs) Which is, even if the, even if there's no game or if it's a small character, it's just fun to watch improvisers fully commit to a stock character Mm -hmm. um, or a character we all have a point of reference for.
0: And you feel it in the same way, like in a real movie or in the movie form of just like every single character just committing and just living in whatever that hotshot weatherman is, even though the weatherman doesn't need to be a hotshot. It's a race movie. We're just finding out that it's too rainy for the Tom Cruise (laughs) character to get on the track, but it's so much more fun if it is just like... My name's Chip Chippendale, and guess what? The Chip Chippendale meter says it's too rate Like, that's so much more fun than just the blank version, the, the the manila version.
1: Oh, yeah. You get to really perform. I mean, I guess, you know, you get to do that in other forms, too. Mm-hmm. But you, I feel like it's a little indulgent, like the way that you get to just like play um, a, a trope or a classic pair, half of a classic pair or something like that. It's so fun. So much fun.
0: Which connects to what also Rudy said about the you have to make those moves too walk-ons are much, are necessary in a way that aren't like first beats in a herald, I will tell teams you can support best by not walking on your yeah. goal is think of second beats and edit
1: yes right yeah
0: not that there necessarily shouldn't be walk-ons in a first beat, sorry Nicole Dressbell. <laughs> but generally whatever in yes. a movie. If somebody walks on and does... He mentioned the PA announcement, but I feel like another one that works very well for a lot of 80s movies is the big competition. Uh, Guys, I'm putting up a poster. Did you hear about the race off? There's going to be... Whoever can ski down the mountain the fastest, right? Whoever can build a building with their own hands on (laughs) Sand Beach is going to win the orphanage, right? Like That's like such a clear plot marker yes that if rudy walks in and gives that to us it's like great now we can just relax in this scene and the arrow to the next scene is so clear that we don't have to worry about it anymore
1: it's so true i mean it does feel like yeah walk-ons are just they're always helpful in the movie they're always helpful i mean from my experience Mm -hmm. you are also really good at you know with that like competition one that you mentioned, like you're good if we, if we've gone a little wacky with our base reality, or maybe we have like two, maybe we thought the stakes of the movie was one thing or the objective, but like it's, it's another thing you're really good at like synthesizing those two with a walk-on and making the competition be for like two, (laughs) whatever (laughs) details we set up. I'm curious if you think technically every walk-on should be painted.
0: Ooh, like you mean, so someone walks on and then we immediately paint who this character is? What do you mean?
1: I just remember something being said, and this might not be worth talking about, but I remember learning, you know, characters should all be painted before they enter. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know if that's like an always thing or if it's just like that should happen. Uh, We see like the gentleman from the first scene is at the door. Right. And then they enter. We definitely don't do that. No. But I was wondering, is that a rule that exists?
0: Not that I know <laughs> of. It makes sense as a rule. But as far as the logistics of improvising, I oh, feel like no. we don't do it just because it's like, oh, great, you've got an idea. Just do the idea rather than, uh-oh, Liz wants to go. Uh, okay, who is she going to be? Yes. Who should I paint her as?
1: Yeah, for utility, it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense, especially if you're doing two movies in an hour.
0: Yes. I feel like it, again, connects to that idea that that Rudy mentioned of what can best serve the entire piece. And that painting... I guess it would if you know what it is, but you're right. Utility-wise, it's better to just get in there, make the move. What we often do is we paint afterwards, which I think works. Yes. Oh, great. We now know Brady is the bully. So now, okay, we see he has a sweater over his shoulders that's tied off in a knot, and he has $100 bills in his back pocket and keys to a boat.
1: Right. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that is, even though we, you know, I have like some reverence for this form of like, I want to do it right. And I also think it's really important that the form should serve the improvisers rather than the improvisers serving the form because, you know, people are coming to watch you and Mm -hmm. not necessarily watch the the biblical version of what this ought to be, you know?
0: That is a perfect connection to the next part with Kevin Mullaney, where we talk a little bit about the camera angles and how they can serve or not serve. Are there any forms that you've tried or things that you've tried to like steal from other things and put into a form that just have
3: not worked for some reason? I mean the m- movie forms are always very difficult I find. Mm-hmm. Um, Because you want to pull in all this stuff that's into movie forms, and it can really get in the way of the improvisation. You know, you get too technique-heavy, and everything is just interfering with the scene work. We cut to this, we cut to this, it's this shot, it's this shot. Right. And also, I think sometimes people feel weirdly inhibited as the actor. You're like, the least powerful person in the scene in a movie form is the actor playing the character. Mm -hmm. So... There's a lot of things that don't work, and you have to temper them. You have to say, we got to do less of this. We so have to just paint the scene a little bit and only, uh, at the beginning uh, and just paint it a little bit when something really interesting happens. Uh, you know, Let's not switch angles, camera angles every third line right. or every line. Let's slow down and sort of figure out what the story is we're telling mm-hmm. rather than just the, the camera angles. That was Kevin Mullaney.
0: He and I had been talking about like developing different forms and that kind of thing, which is why I got into not only the movie but any sort of form based off movies. Mm.
1: I totally agree with what he said that like less of it tends to be better. Mm-hmm. We are really sparse with the way we use camera angles in Megaplex. Yeah. We they're pretty rare, which I love because yeah. it's you know when it serves the thing, it serves the thing and sometimes it just doesn't. So I like that he, you know, sort of put an emphasis on that. You know, we shouldn't limit our main character to feel like they can't do anything unless it's imposed on them by the back line Mm -hmm.
0: and anytime it's like a reverse angle or something like that i like it because i'm a very visual thinker and the kind of puzzle part of my brain turns over of like where will everybody be where and like i like doing that quickly but it's not funny like nobody's like wow they did that reverse angle pretty well yeah (laughs) like they don't care and too many of those types of things in a movie just slow down momentum so quickly
1: Yeah, they they exist, and we should use them, but I like that it's like, don't overuse them. Here's John Timothy again.
0: Let's go into camera angles. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what are some of the big ones that we use a lot? So close-up, obviously, right? So close-up, the mechanics of a close-up, right? Mm -hmm. So two people go to either side, do the little frame.
2: You call close-up on blank, and you call the person probably that you're trying to do a close-up on. Uh, and then you kind of make your fingers into like two little L's and you make mm-hmm. a little box and you kind of box out what you want. Sometimes you can just do one side with your with your hands and the other person will do the other side. Uh, or someone from the back line will come up and do the other side. Usually everyone else in the scene will kind of like fade to the back right. I guess because we are like...
0: only seeing what's in between those two L-shaped finger frames. Yes,
2: right. yeah, it's, that's kind of the the convention is that like look no 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 I know you can see them on the back line but this is it this is the yeah. thing, right? Yeah, the whole the whole stage as screen is complicating but it also allows like a lot of fun that you can't do in a in a thing like right. a like a pan shot, right? Mm-hmm. Like okay cool you want to pan across a bunch of uh, bored teenagers in like their high school classroom on the last day of school. Right. Cool, go for it. But you've got two choices. You've got they can you can either set one static frame in the middle and have all the actors just kind of like assembly line yeah. roll past that frame because the frame is you know they the frame is being static and they're kind of portraying exactly. the motion do their motion and they
0: can do the little either shuffle of i'm standing still Mm -hmm. but in reality i'm moving sideways or i'm walking but i'm walking slightly slower than what (laughs) the camera is (laughs) yeah
2: yep. or some people will like make a static tableau and then we'll actually move the frame kind of across the stage um i don't know i don't really yeah usually i mean you can get really nitpicky about this like i've had classes that have devolved into like God, if we'd had protractors, like, they would have, like, gotten them out. Like, okay, no. Actually, you were at a 30-degree angle on this. So, actually, right. if we do a reverse shot, then actually the thing is... But it's like, I don't know. No one's going to notice. No one's yeah. really going to care that much. It's it's whatever's going to be fastest to yeah. get to the joke. Because that yeah. is not... Uh, well, if you're doing it, it probably is part of the joke of the genre.
0: Because, yeah, in that case, like, the pan across the last day of school is very much, like, great. I know this is, like, that John Hughes, mm-hmm. early 80s, like, that style of... Of movie totally yeah as opposed to like the 90s one would be we see a montage of everybody in class set to green day's time of your life yeah. or set mm-hmm. to flagpole mm-hmm. sitter or something yeah. <laughs> something like very <laughs> much like yeah okay this is going to be What's my age again exactly What's yes. my age again yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then there's like angle on mm-hmm. which is kind of usually used for objects mm-hmm. those get hard because a lot of times you're like you'd be like usually that's used for like uh someone's at a computer screen, staring at the, you know, audience, basically typing. And you, like, uh, you'd either, like, reverse angle mm-hmm. or, like, angle on the documents on their desk. And so that's kind of a close-up, but for, like, objects. That gets hard to do because there aren't actual documents there. Right. <laughs> uh, and so you're like, angle on this. Cool. Oh, I've just, there's yeah. nothing. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not showing anything. Um, and so usually you try to hold off on that one just because yeah. it's harder. But, oh, that brings you to another, just a random movie bit. But it's like if it's got a face, you can play it. All photographs, all lockets, all like people, all mug shots, like yeah. get a face on there so that we're looking at something because it'll just help you so much.
0: And with those shots, they each have kind of a specific use as well. Right. So like close yeah. up, we are specifically, and often from the back line, if I'm doing mm-hmm. a close up, it's saying like, Oh, John, keep going with this. I totally. know you're about to monologue. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the fun part of the scene. I'm forcing then that person to like, great, you have it. Just yeah. take this.
2: Please keep going. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Like we'll, we'll keep, we maybe we'll even talk over you like in the background with our responses to this monologue, but you yeah. just keep, you keep doing your thing. Yeah. Right
0: it's like the it's essentially the oscar moments Mm -hmm. improv exercise of like great do it keep doing it more Mm. no we all want you to keep doing it we're not waiting to get a line in yeah Yeah. and then the like other like the angle in on and that kind of stuff Mm. is often i feel like more for like plot or genre type stuff like yeah we need to see the dossier with most dangerous assassin. Yes. Unknown location. We see a picture of the protagonist from the last scene, like mm-hmm. whatever it is.
2: Totally. Oh, and this, this this actually reminds me of like another like trap I see people fall into, right? It's that like people don't oftentimes don't make a big enough plot move for the movie they're in mm-hmm. early enough. And so it ends up just being a lot of people kind of dittering around until they meet and fight for some reason. So, like, you know, it's just, like, it's an action movie. Great. Well, what is, like, the thing of this action movie? Like, we had the drug boat coming in. Okay, cool. That's, like, just enough of a tent pole that everybody can kind of, like, drive on in. And that's, like, maybe sometimes a little... Sometimes it's the want or the what, like, that third thing that we're talking about. Or sometimes it's just, like, the... Okay, like, the last party of uh, high school kind mm-hmm. of movie. It's, like, okay, somebody needs to come in and tell us that somebody's parents are gone... And they've got a mansion and we're all going to it. Yeah. Or like the lake house or like the thing. Because if it's like the last night of high school and we're just, oh, I really want this person. Oh, I really want this person. Oh, I'm dating this person. And then we're people will hold off on that thing until like the fourth scene of the movie. Like they won't put it in early enough. And then we're not at the party that's supposed to be... 80% of the movie until we've got, like, three scenes left yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And so it's just kind of being super aggressive, even if it's not scene painted, about making those choice. Being the person who walks through that first scene with a flyer, being like, the Thompson's party tonight. Yeah. Be there or be a nerd. <laughs> just because we just got to get there.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. I recently rewatched The Truman Show just because, like, somebody was like, oh, the in- the opening perfectly just sets the stage and gets to it mm. the first five minutes of the truman show just set up we see it's a show we explain the whole history of it mm-hmm. and then right away we see good and then things start messing up F- like the next scene yeah like just a,
2: right away the light falls out of the sky exactly. two and a half minutes into the movie yeah. right Just is like a movie thing that's like a, i remember watching that recently too i mean like what an interesting choice yeah. to like because normally you'd be like oh that's the big act break it's like not three minutes yeah. in. That kind of gives like this feeling of a world that's always been maybe like a little loose at the seams that it's that this is just kind of the baseline for this movie. You yeah. know, is it like that kind of thing happens all the time? And Truman's kind of oblivious, but kind of not. I don't yeah. Know.
0: Any other camera angles?
2: Oh, yeah. There's the big sexy stuff that are like, whoa, how do you do mm. that? That's like you were saying, like. Your overhead shots where you have to like lift people, the extreme wide shot, like the wide shot right. where usually everybody disappears and like they, you make little people with your fingers <laughs> over the shoulder shot is I think one that actually shows up sometimes, yeah. especially if you're doing like a real like Oscar baity drama kind yeah. of thing, because sure, a lot of movies, and I think this is a good example of where like, yes, in a lot of movies, scenes are shot. Over the shoulder, one other, uh, yeah. back forth, back forth, back forth. But you don't have to do that every time you're in a scene with two people in it, just because it'll be so exhausting. Yeah, and you really need to save it for when it's like very true to the genre and like something will be added by that kind of back and forth or that kind of if it's physical a space.
0: Courtroom drama. We yes. can improv style just set mm. up the courtroom and mm-hmm. do it all like that, and yeah. then do that. But it is more. If it's like we just see the witness stand Mm -hmm. and the person staring and it's an over-the-shoulder from the prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And then we turn back, we see the prosecutor yelling at the audience. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And then reverse Mm -hmm. again. Like, it creates that tension much more than we're doing it all the time and just wasting our time. Yeah. And if, yeah, we just let the overall just kind of scene happen. And yeah, when definitely. Processing.
2: Part of what, what is fun and what makes the movie hard is because, like, the the icing is so, like, attractive. Mm-hmm. Like, the like the like oh, the camera angles and the shots and the big shouting and, like, oh, everyone's moving and they're scene painting. And so that's very attractive. And it's easy to get lost in that. But also the cake of this metaphor <laughs> is also weird itself. Like, cause yeah. then you're also dealing with, like, a different baseline reality, too. So, like, both ends are actually kind of weirder than it might feel like. It's like, cool, I'm just gonna go do a movie. It's like, well, yeah. The mechanics are different on both ends, maybe.
0: I mean, you mentioned with, like, the six-week, you might not have fun at the end. Like, it is so many rules. It's similar to kind of like a Herald in some ways Mm -hmm. of, like, we are putting so many limitations, it is harder to then re-stretch free and have fun in that same way.
2: Totally. It was really wonderful, you know, to be doing the movie with, like, you and Liz and Megaplex, because you know, despite... teaching the movie the opportunities to actually do one have been fairly limited since i took the movie class however Mm -hmm. long ago that was you know like eight nine years ago and so like as you just accumulate skill at all these other unmovie related improv talents you it it was a real delight to come back to the movie and everything kind of have settled into place and like oh look this isn't it is fun to fetishize how hard it is certainly like that because it is because the first time you do it it's very overwhelming in a yeah. way that i think the herald is overwhelming but we kind of forget because we've done so many and you kind of are like what you know when people are like what three scenes and then what it's like the group game dummy obviously yeah. but like it's hard to remember the first mm-hmm. couple times you like go through it similarly it is like oh look these things are hard and complicated but when you have a better grasp of like your talents and like what the, the form demands you can make it bend to your will a lot easier than yeah. it may be. Then it's less impossible than it felt when yeah. you were first starting out. Yeah. You know,
0: cause many of the things that were originally very hard of like, Oh, how do I both be true to this genre and be funny? The be funny part is no longer like a mm-hmm. worry. Yeah. And now it's just like, do I know exactly what the genre is? Great. We all knew we had to take care of it. So we took care of it. Yeah. Done.
2: Yeah. Like um, I definitely remember movie, is when I was first learning where I would be in a scene and I would just be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, what do I do next? I don't, I don't, they, my idiot scene partners forgot to paint a game on me. So what do I do? Yeah. It's like, and that's just, I think part of that's just, you know, youth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, it's also part of it is like learning to become comfortable with, like, I don't really have to, you don't, That's a silly – it's not a silly question, but it's a question that has a very simple answer that's like, oh, we'll just do the next thing that's supposed to happen. And that's not a very satisfying answer when someone asks – when, like, someone asks me, well, what was I supposed to do next? I'm like, well, the next thing you were supposed to do. It's not a very – they don't like that answer. (laughs) But it's usually the most true version of that answer. It's like, oh, you were the villain? Okay, well, had you described your master plan yet? Had you uh, called in some uh, person from your jail to mm-hmm. murder in front of people? Had you talked about how you lost your family to the hit heroes? There's dozens of things to do in a given scene. You just have to pick one.
0: That you don't need to wait for permission in the movie yeah. for other people to, to do things or lay things on for you, that you can just make those big, fun choices.
2: Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Like, I think waiting for permission, I think that's a big thing in, like, Hey, we want to go for it. Like, I think comedy in general, like a lot of people are like, well, somebody's going to tap me on the shoulder yeah. and say, you are good enough to make that web series. Right. <laughs> like, like, you know, oh, boy, I just hope I can't wait for the comedy committee to like, tell me I'm good enough. Uh, but similarly, like, oh, you know, like, I think it's people wanting to play by the rules or wanting to be nice or, uh, but I think the movie maybe more than a lot of forms plays kind of by that, that yeah. kind of Mick Napier improvise take care of yourself first and that's the way Mm -hmm. you can most help your scene partners. And I think that there's room for that. I think definitely in like basically any show, but I think it holds very true for the movie. Like, Oh, you're the villain. Sure. You could wait for people to like do it, or you could just start making big choices and the whole movie will be better because people don't have to worry about you anymore.
1: Yeah. That was John Timothy. More about that, like stages
0: screen and also the, this has come up now a bunch of times of the ways in which all of these particular parts of the improvised movie can get in your way if you're not careful. Yes. Right. And I feel also it was fun doing when we did Megaplex in LA. We are so used to, we've kind of cast off more of the like, we do fewer camera angles and all that. Mm-hmm. And. Jumping into LA, doing it with with Bell and Lelon and, and and Oscar, mm-hmm. they were they have much more of like the let's do the camera angles, let's do this. Even we didn't talk about warm ups at all, but even the way they did genre cauldron was different than how we've done
1: it. It definitely was, and in a way, it was not. It kept me on my toes. The amount that they were using camera angles It's like, oh, that's totally different than the way we do it, and it makes me think about how two-man movie was so different than the way Dinah taught me the movie and how movies on demand was so different than, you know, now I can't even remember the other names. Feature
0: feature, (laughs) feature,
1: feature, right. Different styles dominate, you know, at different times or something. Mm -hmm.
0: And yeah, and it naturally adapts in the same way that the Herald adapts and that kind of whatever is the strength of that team or any number of other things, it does feel like those are the slight changes. And it was very fun to see Because I think we're used to being the only people who do the movie out right now in New York, seeing that difference. And still like, oh, yeah, this is fun to do more camera angles. It was still not overwhelming. It was just more than we do.
1: Yeah, I think that the common denominator of the format, like based on what John Timothy just said and what we've heard is like, it requires commitment. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like some of these are going to look different, but it requires commitment. And I love, you know, how he's talking about just like do the thing, you know, do the thing, like step out, be aggressive, take care of yourself, almost um, make choices. They are only rewarded. They're only helpful. You know,
0: I loved also the comment. If something has a face, play that. Yes, because there have been many shows where it's just such an easy laugh if there's like and then we see the painting of the dower. Old man. If I can step in and be a dour old man, I know it's going to get a laugh. If it's, then we see a painting of his sexy prom queen girlfriend who's waiting for him back home. I can step in, I can be the sexy prom queen girlfriend. I know it's going to get a laugh. Like,
1: oh yeah, it immediately does every time.
0: (laughs) You just have to like go in and then make a face, and it's great. It's so easy and so fun.
1: It was nice to hear that the way. John obviously teaches camera angles is like for utility that is valuable in the movie form it's valuable for something with a face to have a face uh, because we can see more of the story it's valuable to do you know to do a reverse maybe when um, something's about to happen you know, or to do a close-up for a monologue, for like a big meaty monologue. These things have um, a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a purpose. They're serving us.
0: And it's a great shorthand for us to communicate to each other of, I love this character. This is the game of the scene. Please just keep doing that so we're all going to close up on this. Or this scene is about over. We need to then point to the next scene. Let's do that reverse so that way we can see the killer walking up or something like whatever it is behind them or whatever they've been looking at in front of them that sort of thing
1: yeah or like you've using an over the shoulder to uh, demonstrate what genre we're in or really like be heavy-handed about what genre we're in rather than just using an over the shoulder every time (laughs) we're seeing a new character
0: how do you think doing the movie has made you better as an improviser in general
1: I think it's helped me trust my instincts. There's not a lot of time to judge yourself because you have to just be continuously making moves. I think in you know, hearing everybody talk about how hard it is, it's almost like a way of tracking your progress. You know, we, we all tend to ask ourselves as improvisers, like, are we getting better at this? And so, you know, learning the herald and learning the movie and then getting to do the movie, you know, however many years into doing improv it's like a fun way to see I have gotten better. I think I just like backwards answered your question. You asked me how it's made me better. And I guess I'm saying it's made me better by letting me know that I've gotten better. Yeah,
0: which is important, (laughs) right? I mean, we know so much of going back to the bravado thing, right? Mm. We've seen people who got cut or have not been doing well and then you see their shows after that they keep not doing well because they're in their head about am I good Mm. and then we've also seen people who like oh you know what I'm great I'm gonna keep doing this and they continue to be great and there is something about knowing that I can do the movie and I can I can sit in with any whatever team and do well makes it easier the next time I'm doing something hard like sitting in on a team with people whom I really respect or doing a tough show wherever I know I can rise to the occasion, which makes me (laughs) rise to the occasion better.
1: Yeah. What would you say for, you know, how the movies made you a better improviser?
0: I think a lot of the same. Like the don't wait, the don't ask for permission stuff. It's made me, this has maybe made me worse as an improviser, but I really like it. It's made me more willing to take left turns and go off on tangents. Yeah of just like, great, we're doing this scene, we're in a restaurant, I'm more okay going like, you know, foot fungus didn't originally come from people. Here's the real <laughs> story on foot fun- Like, taking a left turn and just seeing what it is and being okay, we can either come back to whatever the game was, or that's the new thing.
1: Yeah, and that's just taking risks, like continuing to be spontaneous. When you start to do the same form for a long time, Maybe you forget certain things are possible. I love that, just being willing to take a left turn.
0: That's pretty much all I've got on the movie. Did you you have anything else?
1: No, I don't think so. Thank you so much for asking me.
0: Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for co-hosting. That was episode 25, The Movie. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and if you have any feedback for me, please send it to improv at curtisrutherford.com, C-U-R-T-I-S-R-E-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D.com. Also, if you want to support me and help pay for the hosting costs of this podcast, you can do so via my Patreon, patreon.com slash actuallycurtis. Thanks so much to everyone who has done so, and thanks to my co-host for this episode, Liz, and everyone who is part of the episode. David Bluffband. James Dwyer.
2: Hi, I'm John Timothy. Rudy Behrens. Kevin Mullaney.
1: Liz Noth.
0: And I'm Curtis Rutherford.